0: from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message.
1: Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. And I'm Evan Earwicker, and we are in studio with Bo Stern today. Hello, Bo. Hello. So we are uh, in the middle now of our new series on the way of Jesus. But before we get to that... Uh, Ben, how was your trip to San Francisco? We mentioned that on this yeah. last week's podcast. Yeah. I missed this last week. Huh? It was
0: you and, uh, you and Steve got to hang out. Yeah, for a while. we did. We did. Yeah. All we right. went to San Francisco, took a bunch of, uh, took a bunch of young adults to hang out in the Tenderloin district, which is San Francisco's version of Skid Row in LA. Um, get, to, it's just a super impoverished area and got to do everything from hosted a spaghetti feed at, uh, we were a partner with YWAM. So at the YWAM base down there, as well as handout hot chocolate. And, you know, there's a lot of highlights, but some of the coolest stuff is to see people who don't even talk on our regular weekly to, um, their peers <laughs> they're super quiet by the end of uh, a day and a half hanging out with homeless people. They're talking to them, they're shaking their hands, they're giving them hugs, they're praying for them, all this stuff. And so to see growth, it's kind of like putting it in a microwave, especially for young people. When you put them in that situation, uh, how well they thrive
1: so fast. Yeah. Last time I did a, a, uh, homeless ministry trip. Uh, I swore I'd never do it again. Um, but did you ever do any, uh, mission trips like inner city, any kind of, homeless outreach? Nope. <laughs> avoided that? Summer
2: camp took everything I had. Yeah. That was it oh, after that. Yeah. I don't yeah. think we did. If I, think... I had
1: a summer camp, I would not be doing this, I don't think. <laughs> and we swore we'd never, I, I said I'd never do it again just because of some craziness that happened on the trip. It wasn't, the nature of the work was sure. bad or anything, but yeah. But I guess, Mo, well, you're, the, you're the smarter one among us. Just stick with summer uh, camp. And dodge stick. and weave. Dodge and weave <laughs> dodge those and mission weave. trips. <laughs> <laughs> so you felt so good about me taking all these students, you know, when a snowstorm well, hits
0: Ben. They were a little early. We, all we, that stuff. We
1: ended up on Skid Row with about... 28, like 14 year olds. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Young adults is a game changer. A lot of the stuff I'm really comfortable with doing because I don't have to babysit. Sure. sure. They're pretty easy. All right, Bo. so you uh, help craft really the series thesis and a lot of the stuff with Steve. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to us a little bit, why we chose the parables and why we took kind of the direction with the parables that we have um, for this series.
2: Yeah, well, we were wanting to do a blue series on the kingdom. And, you know, our blue series are church-wide initiatives where we typically will tackle one book of the Bible, and so this time we wanted to do a blue series on the kingdom. And the 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 more we talked about doing something on the kingdom, the more we looked at the parables of Matthew 13. And in a teaching team meeting, uh, the issue was raised that that the idea of the kingdom is sort of hard to connect to, and a little esoteric. And can people really you know get? do they understand what we're saying? And so we, we said decided, yes, it's still on the kingdom, but we're going to put at the front of that the way of Jesus, which is the way of Jesus is the way of the kingdom. So we thought that was a lot more accessible for people to kind of understand and connect to and a little more compelling and, and not quite so um, royal and governmental sounding.
1: Right. And are there metaphors within these parables that we feel like, connect in the same way that the the metaphor of kingdom would have connected to Jesus audience what is that for today's audience as we look at Jesus teachings that that maybe some of those metaphors that just click like yeah we get that we understand
2: Yeah, well, it it is tricky because you know it was such an agrarian society, and so so many of the parables come back to something plant related, the farm and the the seed and the wheat, which was what mine was this weekend. A lot of that, a lot of fishing uh, metaphors, some baking is in there. The one thing we see Jesus doing is picking a lot of different stories that that many different kinds of people would immediately relate to: men and women, and children, and and shepherds, and farmers, and So I think that anything we can do to do that, any stories we can pull into the parables that that match our metaphors today, whether it's about Starbucks or the way we work tech jobs or whatever, I think that, that we're doing something that is in line with the teaching style of
0: Jesus. I've been really excited for this specific podcast just because The Farmer in the Weeds was such a pain in the butt to talk about in teaching. Man,
2: wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we
0: usually take one big block to talk a lot about one sermon and I feel like we took Eight about three out, big blocks yeah. to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Why was this so hard?
2: It's hard because honestly, the this, I graphed this parable out when I was studying for it one day. I took a Sunday after church because it was kind of ruminating in my head while um, service was going on in the morning and i took a whole sunday from about one to seven and i just graphed this parable out and tried to look at what what is jesus main point we talked in this message about how parables always have a primary point but it's up to the listener to determine what that is and the listener may get it right or wrong but you, we got to determine what it is and when i looked at it i really felt the primary point was the seed is not supposed to go to war with the weed that jesus plants good seed the enemy plants evil weed but the war is between jesus and the devil the war is not between us the seed and the weeds in fact it looks like jesus says you're disqualified from mm-hmm. judging which is the seed and the weed ultimately you're just not you're not going to know ultimately and so that was hard for us because what do you do with church discipline and what do you do with all the weeds inside you know people who want to cause harm and what do you do with your kids playing with kids who are a bad influence and what do you do with all of that stuff and honestly the parable doesn't answer it
0: right and that was that's the rub for me <clears> because i like it in theory obviously. Obviously, mm-hmm. Jesus is talking about this. It makes some sense to me. And then I think, but my kids, my kids are seeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's we play a little bit of a different ballgame Or my life, my life is a seed. And and so I this doesn't necessarily exactly make sense to me. So I'm going to protect myself in a way, but I can preach in a way uh, that relates more back to what Jesus is saying. That's exactly how, honestly, I, I feel in my soul when we talked about this and yeah. teaching team was like, yeah this is great and it's true. I'm just going to do it a little bit different and my seeds will be in this area and the weeds can go over there. It's a really tough thing to actually take out into your life.
2: It is. And it has, Jesus was unteaching his people a big concept for them which was literally kill the weeds like literally kill people who don't aren't jewish and don't match up with your belief system and that kind of thing and so there is that like the the thing he was teaching them something that meant something different to them than it does to us but we watched that the church has been guilty of this post cross of of truly killing people who they've determined don't line up um doctrinally or you know in, in belief and so that's not out of the realm of possibility that he, our our natural drift as humans is to want to get rid of people we think don't
0: measure up which kind of hits deep in our nation right now if you mm-hmm. really want to take it to another level yeah. sure i mean this is this is what we're talking about i think this is the overarching element to the the conversation that we have about our nation when it comes to gun rights when it comes to foreign
1: relations all that stuff right and for those who maybe didn't hear the message or aren't familiar with the parable uh in a nutshell jesus tells a parable about a crop of wheat that grows up and an enemy comes in sows weeds among that wheat and the thing he tells his workers is don't tear up the weeds because you'll also get the wheat with it let it grow up together and then the angels will yeah.
2: um at the end of the at age the end of the mm-hmm. age mm-hmm.
1: deal with it mm-hmm. i hope i did justice to the parable he didn't actually go much longer than that yeah, mean, that's really it's yeah. so so brief and concise um and in your teaching of it i appreciate it i actually wrote that down Um, That it was an exercise in holding back on teaching too much. Yeah. Taking too much out of what Jesus was saying and just presenting what he was trying to make a point of.
2: Yeah, and it's the hardest exercise there is. I don't think I could have done it five years ago when I knew more answers than I know now. You know, and, and when I really felt an obligation to people to answer all their questions or to give them something they could just take home that was so easy to pack in their purse and take it home for the week. And I just don't feel that obligation anymore. I don't feel like we have to answer all the questions. In fact, I think we do violence to the scripture when we try to teach something that isn't within that text. And I did tell the church over the weekend... This does raise a lot of questions that are answered other places in the New Testament, but they aren't answered in this parable, so we can't pretend that they are. And I think that's good even for people to learn um, kind of study skills that way. Let's not try to put it all together in one parable. Everything isn't in this one. Just one thing is in this one.
1: Is that good advice for preachers? Should we camp out more than we do on a scripture? Without you know, my tendency is just let's pull all the answers out from all across Scripture and present it as a nice, mm-hmm. fully cooked meal. Right? Is it more appropriate and does it do more justice to the original intent of the Scriptures to teach them as they are and let them sit?
2: I really, I really think it depends on what you're teaching. Mm-hmm. It's because if we're, we're going to pull out the women keep silent in church Scripture, you mm-hmm. you you have to look at the full weight of Scripture on that to come up with principle. Um, so. I guess you could teach that on some level, but I think that would be the same kind of misappropriation of the scripture to say this is the scripture and it stands alone. So whenever you want to build a wide load philosophy on the tiny shoulders of one scripture, that's dangerous but when you proof text, that's dangerous too and you start to say, here's what I'm seeing in this story so I'm going to pull in all these other things um, I think it's just really good to give the congregation more responsibility than we typically give them mm-hmm. and just say go, go at it, look at it, wrestle it out. I might be wrong. Figure it out yourself and see what God is saying but Let's not try to make this parable about something that's not.
0: And I think it's good to see things from the perspective of the crowd sometimes because Jesus loved the crowd. He didn't just love the disciples, but a lot of times we want to do that as communicators. We want to allow everyone to see everything through the eyes of Moses and through the eyes of David and through the eyes of uh, John and James and, and so on. Mm-hmm. And, and instead thinking about, man, what was Jesus trying to tell the crowd? He cared about the crowd in this moment. What was, what would their takeaway have been? What was, what would their response need to be in order to, to gain answers or to allow the spirit to work in their life.
1: Yeah, but I think some of the point too, though, is that the crowd didn't get much out of it. And we talked about this last week, Steve and I, um, about the difference uh, of the crowd and then the disciples that got the explanation. So it's almost though that Jesus is less concerned that the crowd gets it and more that it's even written down. You know, I'm trying to understand uh, if Jesus isn't going to explain it to the crowd, why did he even teach it to the crowd? <laughs> sure. <laughs> why didn't he just teach it to the disciples? Think, yeah, Other that's times part of the Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting. I don't know. But yeah. What do you think? Well,
2: it just seems like Jesus throws out seed. He just throws out these little on-ramps and says, do you want to know more? you want to lean in? You want to you want to push ahead here a little bit? And um, I think that we... Have done the very opposite of that in the church. We now in the, especially the American Evangelical Church, really do want to package it up. I like what you said. We want to cook a whole meal, and we want to make sure we've got all the all the courses represented, and nobody's leaving with anything unanswered or anything left in the air. And I, I get the most response from people when I'm honest about my questions. Yeah. And I think people do. i I know they maybe want to be spoon fed, but I think that's a disservice to them.
0: Is that allowing the Holy Spirit to work? in the middle of your message
2: i hope so i really hope so otherwise it's just not doing a good enough job studying so i mean i really hope that we're just
1: <laughs> and that's the balance right because you can you yeah, can go sure. with a lot of excuses for why you're not communicating something well and say well i'm just going like jesus did He's just gonna let you figure it <laughs> out you didn't make it clear either so you know and and there's a there's a balance there and a responsibility is communicators to do it well but not do too much. Not- well,
2: and I feel like my responsibility with this parable was to find what I felt the the only point was that applies to us. There's only there's a lot of things in the parable. There's only one point that applies to us as believers. Leave the wheat alone. That's mm-hmm. the only thing Jesus tells us to do. Leave the wheat alone. And so finding that point, even in helping people know there is a main point and you could miss the point and all of that I I think is really helpful for people as they go especially because with this series we're going through all the gospels in a journal every day and it's asking them questions and I want to always help people be more intrigued with the Bible just be more like I want to get under the skin of that and see what's there
1: and granted the, the message that you brought came to a very strong point. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not like it was pointless.
2: (laughs) No, just one point, (laughs) Just one point. Paul
1: writes that way, and Jesus speaks that way at times. It's not every time. Yeah. So to make a point, but a point that then, like you're saying, increases this hunger for, I wonder what else, you know, there is to this thought. And and a very challenging point, too, not to leave it alone. You know, Mm -hmm. leave people that we consider against us, that are inside the church leave them alone yeah Uh, we wanted a lot of times rip them out
2: well and that's one of the that's one of the parts of the parable that's so tricky is this one greek phrase inside of it that says where did the enemy plant the weed he planted it right in the middle of the wheat where the highest concentration of weed is. And we always think of this this war between the divine and the demonic happening in government and Capitol Hill and, and City Hall and all of these places. But really, it, it looks like it pretty much happens in churches. It's in the kingdom is where the war is. And that's what made it hard for us, I think, as a teaching team to go, well, we're supposed to just let weeds grow up inside our church. That doesn't sound very Paul. That doesn't sound very apostolic. Mm-hmm. That sounds really dangerous. But really, I, I that seems to be what he's saying is you're going to get... Get it wrong, And I made the point in the sermon that we can't, we don't even get it right with the seed right. a lot of the times. Right. We tend to rip out people that, that really deserve to
1: stay. When, when you said the, the real clash between the evil ones and the good ones are in the church, I'm like, yeah, no kidding. I yeah. mean, yeah. I think any of us that have been in church for more yeah. than a couple of years, it, it can get really, really uh, nasty mm-hmm. inside the structure of religion and faith and this community. Uh, not an easy thing to exist, especially long-term, in one church. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's not easy.
0: Well, and- it seems like tons of churches always have that horror story, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I remember when they split, and well, now they got it together, and oh, change mm-hmm. pastors, who knows what's going to happen now? It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing that we have the affinity for for moving in that direction at different points of our lives.
2: Uh, humanity's tricky. It's really <laughs> tricky.
1: <laughs> so as we go through this series, Bo, what are you hoping to see the church gain from um, both the journals that we're walking through alongside with the way of jesus series what's the point of all this where are we leading the church to yeah
2: what i would hope is that we're teaching people and gaining it ourselves as leaders a new automatic mindset where we automatically look for the way of jesus in whatever decisions we're making in whatever stories we read in the Bible we're looking for what is his way how do I become like that rather than I mean if we could just put maybe doctrine on the shelf for a minute and just for this series say let's just look at him and know that all of God is Jesus and all of Jesus is God and he represents God and if we don't see you know Jesus do it God wouldn't do it so we need to understand who is Jesus and how did he work and I hope we, we get really good at starting to think of that in a didactic way we're, we're starting to to See these stories, and in our minds, form these outlines of principles that start to become the
0: code by which we live. And for me, this is where it gets hard. We've, we've been talking about how Jesus is a stumbling block with Steve, especially on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes we're not even getting far close enough to Jesus to stumble on Him. We're stumbling on Leviticus or a lot of these other things. Yeah, but this, I believe, if we're doing it right. Um, and if I'm hearing you guys right, this is where your walk should get maybe more peaceful and joyful, but also hard because this is where you really start doing the work of the kingdom.
2: It's true and we put in the journal this time every day you go through this this series of boxes that says what is the way of Jesus that I learned in this reading today and then what people am I expecting to see today like I'm going to see my kid, I'm going to see my spouse I'm going to see the checker at Safeway and to get people connecting the way of Jesus to their actual life, here's how He lives. Here's who you're living with, and I think these are just they're just little tricks that we're trying to use to get people to repetitively start to see their life and see the way of Jesus become superimposed on it.
1: Yeah, and That's this is what hope. this is what Jesus did with the Father. Um, he says it. I don't remember where, but He says, "I don't do anything except that I see the Father doing." Really, what are we doing with this? We're saying, I don't do anything except I see Jesus doing or that he would do uh, based on the story of his life and his ministry and his words. And so, starting with that as the beginning point of how we learn to live and how we learn to be human, right, is the same thing that Jesus was doing with the Father by Mm -hmm. looking towards him. And so, it's… Uh maybe we're the does that make us the grandbabies of Jesus? I don't or of God, I don't know. Yes. That's a weird thing to say. I'm going to strike yes. that from the <laughs> I know both the theologian here but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> are you a grandbaby
0: of the Lord? <laughs> yeah. I don't know.
2: Dear grandaba.
0: So <laughs> it gets real weird. Real what are quick? some things? What are some things you guys find yourselves doing if you're saying you are um Doing your best, you are, and in, in, you are. There, you're having some success in walking in the ways of Jesus. What are some things that you find yourself doing when you're doing that
1: well?
2: Hmm, I'd have to do well before I'd have it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know what. It, what does it look like? You to do well. You tell us. Well, let me VTLS. tell you. As a grandson, of...
2: I have had it, my two things I've really set this year to try to improve the way I relate to people and and in what I have hope is modeling after the life of Jesus is I'm trying to not multitask so much. Hmm. I'm trying to look people in the eye. When I talk to them and only talk to them and not do a million other things and try to even not be thinking a million other things, um, because Jesus is this master at giving people attention, even really unlikely people attention. And so that was one thing. And then, and then I'm trying to ask questions more than I answer them. I'm trying to ask people more questions about how they feel and what they're thinking and what they think God is thinking rather than always saying what I think they want me to tell them about.
1: Yeah. I was in a conversation with some friends on Sunday, and we were talking about uh, in this hypercharged, opinionated, internet fueled uh, culture, we all have opinions on everything, whether or not those opinions are informed or even. We had him 30 seconds before that question was asked. And I, sure. I'm just going to come up with something because that's what we do. And uh, and what came out of the conversation was this phrase of, you know what, I don't have an opinion on that. And how refreshing that would be if we would use that phrase more <laughs> when we don't have an opinion or when we don't have an educated one. Just say, you know what, I don't even, I don't really have an opinion or mm-hmm. know anything about that. Mm-hmm. And leave it there. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a know it all. I, I want to have. Dude, that's something to, to do. be said about it right now. Right? <laughs> I can't think of the last time I said that. <laughs> and granted, this is a podcast Oops. where we're supposed to say opinions. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah do that now. <laughs> but really, we could use more of that. I think that yeah. that humility of saying, you know, "I don't, I'm not, I'm not the one to ask about that." And yeah. I'm with
0: you, Bo. If I'm asking questions, I feel like I don't know. I, I I don't, I don't have a biblical tie exactly to this. I feel like when I'm asking people questions, especially in conversations and I'm stringing them together, Mm -hmm. I was doing this over the weekend, spending time with young people that I hadn't really gotten to know. It's like, I need to string four questions together and Mm -hmm. let them respond to every single one of them. And then only respond in a question again yeah um i just don't do that very much and but i find myself just really having the conversations that i want to have with people i find getting to know them on this incredibly deep level when all that's all i do it takes 10 minutes takes five minutes just ask questions
2: yep it's really true it's really a powerful skill and it was the jesus way and if anyone deserved to be just talking all the time it was him yeah he didn't do it
1: yeah that is interesting Bo, on Sunday, you talked about Billy Graham, who died this week at 99. Uh, What was it about Billy Graham that made such an impact on so many people? What worked so well um, in Billy's lifetime and through his ministry?
2: So, Billy Graham had this way that he would always hold a Bible when he was preaching, and it was important for him that people would see it and connect, that what he was saying was from the Bible. And it Mm -hmm. it was a way to just kind of honor the Word of God, I think, in that. And and he also I mentioned in the in the message was so so um such a trailblazer in terms of anti segregation and hmm. didn't allow segregated lines at his revivals and preached on the stage with Martin Luther King jr. and yeah. bailed him out of prison when he was you know in for a demonstration and that was not done by white evangelical pastors yeah. in that era. It just really wasn't so he he did a lot of really brave, trailblazing things. Um, and we owe a lot, I think, to him. I think his style of communication is not not one we use a lot anymore, mm-hmm. of that, that basic gospel message every time, you know, um, but a lot of that changed in the kind of Willow Creek um, kind of applicable sermons used on Monday kind of thing. You know, we yeah. started preaching more topically, but... Um, he was such a model evangelist. Do you have a Amazing. Do
0: you have a communicating hero or a, a teaching hero? Someone that inspired you to become the communicator that you
1: are?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I had a professor in Bible college, Lanny Hubbard, who was just brilliant. Um, I, I think that that was when. Some of my friends had T-shirts that if there was no God, we'd serve Lanny Hubbard instead. (laughs) Wow.
0: I think they went over well. He
2: would not (laughs) like that, by the way. Um, But he was the first one who made me just fall in love with what could be found in the Word of God in such a brilliant way. And and every student, I think, who's gone to Portland Bible College would say the same thing about Lanny, just the most brilliant teacher ever. Other people— W- wouldn't know him and so you know yeah. there there's some, there's some communicators that I watch a little I try to be careful how much I do because mm-hmm. it, it can be such a big influence and there aren't a lot of women out there and so I'm not I'm never quite sure I just, I've just tried to kind of muddle along and find my way mostly but there have been some that I really have loved yeah. I think Andy Stanley crafts a great sermon just crafts it so well puts a sermon together so
0: well yeah I don't know how he's he's amazing -hmm. And I watch him, he is not my style. Mm -hmm. And he is not someone that I go, Oh yeah, like he's just, you know, the because a lot of preachers are entertainers now, and every time I listen to him, I'm like, this should not
1: be this should not work for me. And it's amazing. There's like nobody I'd rather listen to. Yeah, and and I think communicators that are thinkers and you can tell they're thinkers uh they study well and they're you know, come prepared more than just highly entertaining or hilarious. Right. uh, mm-hmm. highly energetic um
2: well structure and style yeah, yeah. So, and there's some that i really love their structure and they don't have the quite the flashy style and then some that i think their style's so good mm-hmm. and but then i feel like there's not as much under the surface of it but yeah, yeah and maybe it. you know
1: billy graham uh in a way uh structure or content like you're saying very simple mm-hmm. right and yet uh there was something i think very powerful obviously about his ministry and so it's, it's not just the words it's the ministry it's the it's the who you are and and what your mission is I think it's bigger than just mm-hmm. that 30 minutes that you're actually talking um, can have a huge effect on oh yeah the weighty the anointing on his yeah. life
2: a weighty anointing and so much authority and yeah, yeah there are those preachers that can preach on sex and people get saved they can yeah. preach on finances and people get saved they're just that I think our pastor Ken Johnson had that very same has that very same anointing and and it's
0: brilliant to watch yeah you guys think there's there's something for uh, especially among preachers and communicators and leaders is there something that God kind of gives them as a little bit More of a life song. Like we all teach on a lot of different things. But when I hear Steve Mickle talk about pain and Mm -hmm. walking through darkness like he did with chase i feel like he is the authority for that i Mm -hmm. would rather listen to him talk about that than than anybody else when bob goff talks about extravagant love love, you know it's it's he is there is nothing better is do you think that that exists in maybe all of us that there's this this one thing that god has given us this ultimate authority not ultimate authority but this major Mm -hmm. authority to to speak
1: on I don't know. That's a great, he, he that's a great question. He doesn't have an opinion on that. I do I not have think... an opinion on that. <laughs> 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 I don't know if there's a real, I don't know if there's a real answer. Oh, clearly.
2: Um, I think, yeah, I think you see it in certain people. There's just a, they have a real mess. I don't know that every preacher does, but it does seem like, like there are, some, everybody has a sweet spot. seems like,
1: and maybe that's, uh, spiritual, but also personality wise. I think, you know, you, you look at even it just, uh, I think of like Tony Robbins, you know, there's certain people that just have one kind of core thing that that's, they love teaching on it and people love hearing it. And so it works. And so there's a natural draw to it. And some people are more, you know, uh, maybe more exhaustive in their scope of what they can bring. And I don't know. I mean, that's the difference between a pastoral gift and an evangelical gift or evangelistic gifting, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, that could be. Mm -hmm but I do not have an opinion on that. <laughs> so, well, well, thank you. Thank it's you for uh, this podcast. <laughs> I no opinion on that. Thank you for joining us today, Bo.
2: You're welcome.
1: And uh, next week, who's up next week, Bo. Steve Mickle. Steve Mickle. Yep. Part three of the way of Jesus. Looking forward to that. You can check us out uh, live even on Sunday mornings at West side live. Our messages are archived at westsidechurch.org. And of course we are at behindthemessage.com. We'll see you next week as we continue with the way of Jesus.